You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 150. On today's episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting David Yoon, who grew up in Orange County, California, and now lives in Los Angeles with his wife, novelist Nicola Yoon, and their daughter. And David is a best-selling author of YA books, Frankly in Love and Super Fake Love Song. His latest book, Version Zero, is his first adult thriller book, and it is out on May 25th, and it takes place in the tech world of Silicon Valley. I highly recommend you go get that book. It's a real good thriller uh, set in the uh, tech world, uh, which is... uh, very timely with all the stuff that's been going on here in the last few years with uh, Silicon Valley and social media and all that good stuff. So go check that out. Now, before we get to the uh, podcast, uh, just a reminder to go check out my links over at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. You'll be able to uh, rate and review this podcast uh, on there and get the links to my author website as well as my mailing list. So you can uh, sign up to get great deals and discounts on thriller and mystery and suspense books. So go to thrillingreads.com forward slash links to go check that out. All right, here is my interview with David Yoon. And on the podcast today, I have uh, David Yoon uh, in Los Angeles, not too far from San Francisco. Hello, uh, hello. Hi, David. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, so very fascinating because you have been a very successful YA author already, a couple, a few bestsellers under your belt. And uh, and then uh, uh, version zero is your first adult thriller. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. So so before version zero, I wrote Frankly in Love, um, and that's the one that became a bestseller, which is nice. Uh, and also Super Fake Love Song, um, which I think was an indie bestseller. I can't remember. It's on my website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so I you know started out in YA, which I love. Um, but you know, I, I worked for 12 years in over 12 years in like the tech industry. And there was just a lot of unresolved um, thoughts about my time there and still are. Um, and so I knew I had to write a book about it. And were you a fan of like thrillers and mysteries before you decided to write that? Or I mean, I, I love thrillers and mysteries because they're so plot driven mm-hmm. and so much stuff just happens in them. Um, I, I was I sort of grew up on on a lot of Stephen King and books like that, and and so there's there's a lot of that in in my blood, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I think it's so cool that you're uh, with the whole uh, your tech background and using it to write to turn into a thriller. So, uh, and being that I'm in San Francisco, we're talking about that offline. So I was very uh, fascinated with with, with your, the subject matter of your book. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that about your about the, the background and how your book came together and what it's about? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, the book revolves around uh, this twenty-something uh, tech entrepreneur. He's like this tech genius guy. Um, he's a whiz kid. His name is Max. He believes in the industry, and he actually believes that tech can make the world a better place. Um, and so he blows the whistle on the social media company that he works for because they're doing shady stuff with user data, and he doesn't like it. And and it's so he blows the whistle immediately, gets fired, immediately gets blacklisted in the industry. Um, and is sort of uh, crestfallen. He has a he has a crisis of faith um, about the industry that he used to love, and so he decides to sort of exact revenge slash go on a social justice mission to um, expose the evils of these big five tech companies through a series of hacks that just get crazier and crazier. <laughs> so that's what the story is. 
Yeah, and that's uh, I was just I just watched a documentary recently on Netflix about uh, about tech guys uh, who are with all these social media companies who are now having uh, second thoughts of uh, <laughs> of their role involved in all that. Is that is that something you think that a lot of people are struggling with that we're in the tech industry? Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> I mean, I was always fascinated by the fact that like you know a, a lot of tech CEOs um, wouldn't allow their kids to use iPads. Yeah. Um, to use social media to to use the, their own products, yeah. and you know I've over the twelve years working in the tech industry, I, I've worked for social media companies, I've worked for cybersecurity, um, ad ad technology, not advertising, but also I've done that too. But ad technology, and that's the technology that tracks you and gathers data, and and every in that company in particular, uh, all my coworkers to a single person, we all had ad blockers installed on all our devices. Uh, and proxies and so we were kind of like non-smokers stuck working at William for Philip Morris we're just like we we're good at it we're smart they're all good people very ingenious um but we were stuck making this thing that we didn't actually believe in and actually didn't actually like um and believe it or not it took me a while to realize that uh and once I did I was like what are we what what, what exactly are we doing here um and I also realized that it was a, it wasn't just a technological problem. It was also a problem with sort of capitalism in general, um, because technology and capitalism, uh, in the words of Ted Chang, are so inextricably intertwined that sometimes you can't tell the difference. Yeah, and it seems to me uh, from uh, not in the tech industry, but it seems to me from uh, living here and and in, in, in the Bay Area is uh, is you guys the tech workers are kind of like in their own little bubble, like before the pandemic everything was right there on campus like the gym hair doctors <laughs> like 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 you guys are like hostages or something i don't know like yeah. uh, stockholm syndrome or something going on in there <laughs> it's it's true that it, i think that has its roots in in 60s counterculture mm-hmm. um that's when sort of you know, arpanet was invented that's all these nerds were up in the Bay Area, we're, we're figuring out like how to make Apple computers or how to make HP computers in a garage was during that countercultural time. And so you've got this idea of, of uh, remaking the world using different rules. And at the same time, you have this amazing technology that promises to be able to build that utopia um, in a way that's egalitarian and democratic and, and there's no rules, uh, also no ownership. It's, it's like, so it's a perfect storm of, of hippie ideals and tech uh, engineering, the belief that engineering can solve any social problem. Um, what we didn't really anticipate was the capitalist aspect. Uh, the corporations would have to run everything. Um, and so once that started to really seep in with like VC funding and you know your typical business KPIs and that it kind of changed everything, but there's still an undercurrent of utopianism. Um, and that's why I think you have these tech bubbles Literally in in Seattle, you've got Amazon bubbles yeah. as, as a campus. I think that's so funny, um, but it is a it's it's an effort to recreate the world in your vision and make it a dis, a utopia or a dystopia, if you, some might say. <laughs> and is this a is this a standalone book, or is it going to be part of a series? Or this will be a standalone book for okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. But, um, what happens in it can't sort of be. Anyway, and so I was also reading in your bio that um, 
that you and your wife are launching your own YA imprint uh, for uh, focusing on, on authors or people of color. Mm-hmm. And it's called Joy Revolution. And it's going to be part of Random House's children's book. How did all that come together? And how, how does it feel being on the other side of that business? Uh, it feels really weird. We don't, <laughs> number, we don't ask for numbers. We're like, just get the book sold, you know. We want to or we want to buy the book. Just don't tell us how much because it'll mess with our heads as writers. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is a it's a longstanding dream. Um, uh, me and Nikki, my wife Nicola, and uh, she wrote everything, everything. And the sun is also a star. And her forthcoming book is called Instructions for Dancing. Um, it comes out actually like two weeks after, no, a week after Version Zero comes out. So it's busier. Oh, crazy! <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, we met in, in at Emerson College in in, in the writing program. And we always wondered, like, why aren't there love stories starring people who look like us? You know, mm-hmm. uh, we're always like the sidekick or in the case of black girls, it's always the sidekick or the bus driver. And with in case of Asian guys, it's always like the foreigner, um, the exchange student, the tech, the, the lab tech or the Kung Fu guy, never the romantic lead. And we kicked around ideas for like short story contests, maybe that we could host or small press ideas, but we had no idea what we're talking about um, until we got published. And once we got published, then we're like, hey, wait a second, now we have resources. Um, And fortunately, uh, Barbara Marcus, who's the president at Random House, she was totally on board. Like before we could finish the sentence, she was like, yes, let's do this. And so we have their full support and it's been really amazing. Yeah, that's great because that's the best uh, way of of changing. And everyone's talking about doing all these changes, but that's, uh, you guys are actually now they're doing this. That's, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's really exciting because, you know, so many times the books um, featuring people of color are usually there to teach a lesson about racism or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're usually pretty painful to read. I mean, I think they're, they're, those are valuable books because if we forget the struggle, then we forget the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the other side, which I like to call the Harold and Kumar side. Yeah. Um, you ever see that movie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's awesome. It's like two people of color, Asian guy, Indian guy, and all they want to do is get high and get snacks. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, that is the other side of the equation where people are allowed the full breadth of their humanity. They're just normal people who just want normal things. And that is equally valuable, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's rooms. There's room for everything, right? I mean, totally. Yeah, just fun reads, uh, more heavy, heavy reads. But yeah, it's a, uh, that's uh, that's awesome. And so, are you going to continue writing YA as well yourself, or are you going to be straddling the thriller and the YA worlds, or what's your, what are your plans? You know, I think I'm going to do a little bit of both. Um, cool. Honestly, I think, I think that you can learn a lot from from any age group. Um, at any age group. So like if you're like my age and like almost 50, I can learn a lot from a middle grade book. Um, and I also think that, you know, younger people, like people in their twenties can learn uh, a lot from a book written by someone in their seventies. Um, and so I do have, you know, some young, young adult ideas. I'm actually working on one right now um, with Nikki. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. We're co-authoring something. Um, I have another adult book coming out probably in 2022. It's a post-apocalyptic kind of, I wouldn't call it a thriller. It looks like a thriller, but it's not. Um, and and I, I, I do really like the idea of, of writing for middle grade or for younger kids. Um, I mean, at Emerson, my, my dissertation, which was an anthology of short stories, that was all, almost all starring middle grade kids for some reason. Um, 
So probably some unexamined stuff in my childhood that <laughs> I'm, like, I'm exploring there. Yeah, your, your therapy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and do you um is that something like do you enjoy um uh, when you're when you're writing these books? Do you like can you go back and forth? Is the process the same? I'm just kind of curious about. I mean, the, I mean the foundation is the same, right? Regardless whether it's YA or a thriller, or is your right, process yeah. different? I mean, the process is the same. You're writing a book. It's yeah. a huge pain in the butt. It takes forever. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. you've written, you've worked on your own stuff. It takes forever. There's all this doubt. Uh, the difference, I think, personally, and this is just me talking um, between YA and adult, is YA is for teens. Um, so there's a lot of librarians and teachers involved who want to teach their kids things that are knowable. And so I think YA deals a lot with stuff that we sort of figured out, you know. Um, I think adult is more comfortable with stuff that's unknowable or stuff that we haven't worked out yet. Uh, and the internet, in my opinion, is very much, we, we don't know the jury's still out. Like it's, was, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Did, do we even actually need it? Does it actually do us any good? Those are all questions that I don't think are answered yet. Um, the internet was created as like a cold war defense um, to spread out our network so that, you know, it, any one attack wouldn't take the whole system down. Um, but, but other than that, it really wasn't created with any particular uh, problem in mind. So it was this massive solution with no real problem and instead wound up creating a bunch of other problems that we have other solutions now for and so on and so on. I just find it interesting. And uh, so are you writing now? You're no longer the tech business, you know, focusing on your writing and publishing uh, business. Yeah. I I went full-time with writing like three years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was, it was nice. Like, but at the same time, I loved my job. I have Mm -hmm. to say, like, especially toward the end, I worked for, I like to say the good guys, Mm -hmm. um, a cybersecurity firm. And we were tackling the toughest problem of all, which is not, um sort of spam bots but but uh social engineering and that's just people to people that's just mm. con men you know trying to take your money yeah um, it just happened to be through computers yeah i just uh, yeah i just saw a video on that on uh, th- that guy who makes those glitter boxes i don't know if you've seen that but the ones uh, that explode when you open them or? yeah yeah he, yeah he was doing it for the porsche pirates but now he did it to the for the scammers and uh, yeah, recording a, uh, these scammers on this, these old people that are naive, and it's just so sad. But <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, it's a crazy world out there, and you yeah. realize what's going on. Yeah, I mean, the difference is you can scam people at scale now. Everything with the internet is at scale, um, and so all the bad stuff that people normally do—hate um, speech and racism and, and scams and theft can now be done at a humongous scale anonymously. Um, and that's sort of one of the things that Max in version zero is really sensitive about. He he wants to like make the internet a good place. And he has ideas about how to do that. And he enlists his friend Akiko, who's like this beautiful programmer who he's had a crush on, but she's in, she's with his best friend. So she's off limits and he's like in the friend zone. So there's that whole romantic triangle going on. It's not even a triangle. It's, He's, he's just like a third leg somewhere off in space. Um, but yeah, and so that's his whole mission. He's very idealistic about uh, we have this amazing tool that we built not knowing exactly what we're doing. So maybe we should 
try to figure out how to use it for good and not for scammers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get worried about my 88 year old mother. She's on Facebook down stuff. <laughs> so, oh my God. Really? Yeah. What's that like? Uh, scary. You know, she's gotten, I mean, she hasn't gotten scammed or anything, but I keep telling her, you know, to be careful. Don't trust mm-hmm. people on there. I mean, it really is like, it's like a little child. <laughs> like, don't touch the stove. Yeah. You know, be careful. Yeah. And now I hear that. What is this like? push to have like facebook for kids or instagram for kids or something oh i haven't heard that one <laughs> yeah I, I was like there's messenger for kids so you know they're rolling this stuff out wow and i'm, and I'm like okay so you want to make our kids um full of envy and self-hatred at a younger age <laughs> no, let's start younger we've already moved up to the this this people let's, let's start we gotta go younger right? yeah that was a tobacco too right like the, the, you, you, oh made, you mentioned that before like the joe camel or whatever the cartoon yeah that's that oh that's fantastic i actually saw an old joe camel billboard the other day out in the middle of the desert and i was like i forgot about this guy that was so evil yeah yeah so we grew evil. up with a group grew up normally i'm in i'm 53 so as a kid yeah, it was normal yeah. to see those joe camel and you know all that stuff so yeah it's just crazy <laughs> i wonder if this generation will will be like hey remember messenger for kids that was messed up <laughs> hopefully hopefully that's how they'll remember it <laughs> hopefully yeah uh, so uh so what's your uh, project that you say you're working on a uh on, on another book now is that's going to come out next year um yeah this this was actually it I, I started writing this book it's called city of orange um and it was acquired by uh, mark tavani who's Who's my editor at Putnam and Mark Tavani worked on version zero too. And he's fantastic. He's like a mind reader. I don't know how he does it. He tells me stuff about my books that I didn't even realize. And I was like, I play it cool. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I meant that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's um, probably going to come out in 2022. I'm not really sure when. Um, and it started out as a NaNoWriMo book. I don't know oh, if, yeah, yeah um, which is National Write a Novel Month. I think I started it about six years ago. And my wife, Nikki, was like, just do it. I'll take care of the baby. Just go do it for a month. And so I did it. And when I reached that 55K word limit or goal, you know, I was like, my heart was palpitating. <laughs> I, I finally understood marathon runners. But anyway, the book is a, uh, it's a post-apocalyptic story about, this guy wakes up with no memory of how he got there and he starts to embark on a journey to find his wife and daughter and see if they're, see where they are. Um, but um, yeah, that's definitely an adult book for sure. I'm kind of curious about your, your process too, your writing process. Do you outline or do you write by the seat of your pants? Uh, there's this great metaphor that I was talking to David, David Arnold, who's also a young adult author. And he was like, it's like taking a, a road trip at night. Um, and you know what cities you're going to hit. There's no signal, so you can't use GPS. Um, so you don't know how you're going to get to the city, but you will get to the city. And all you can see is what's in front of you in the headlights. And so that's kind of how I write, which is like, I know the big act breaks, you know, what should probably happen, but how to get there, like all the nuts and bolts. I, I don't know. I've done that once actually with version zero, I, I did like a whole beat sheet and, it was a disaster because I started to just go on autopilot uh, and not trust my instincts. 
Yeah, yeah. I know I've I've interviewed people who like wrote 40,000 word outlines and then threw it away. And so yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, different ways of, of doing things. But yeah. And yeah. what uh, I'm curious about your tools that you use too. Are you do you write on Word or some other software program or you know what I mean? Like I, I just use pages on, oh, okay. on a Mac. pages, yeah. Um I've tried Word, I can't stand. Um mm-hmm. it's too many features and also option delete deletes the whole word and then the space preceding it. Why? <laughs> Nothing else in Mac does that. So it, when you're, when you're hauling ass writing, it just, it trips you up every time. I tried Scrivener. It's too complicated for me. Um, I've tried like the minimal writers, like IA writer and um, whatever. And they're too simple. So pages, I think is it's, it's free mm-hmm. and it works great. And it's kind of only all I need personally. Cool, cool. Yeah, I was uh, uh, curious about that, but especially with your tech background. So that's uh, uh, interesting to, to hear that. I, I was the same way too. I, I think I tried just about everything out there. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we're we're both advanced compared to my wife, who writes longhand. She's nuts. Oh wow, really? Wow, yeah, no way. I couldn't even understand. I'm like, I wouldn't be able to read my hand, own handwriting. Yeah, and she'll she'll has the same problem. She's like, I don't really know what I meant, so I'm gonna have to make something up. So she writes longhand, and then she like types it in. Yeah, and that's oh. another like layer of the editing process. Oh wow, it's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, and so um, so before I let you go, David, I always like to ask my guests about uh, advice because I have aspiring writers that listen to this podcast. So, an aspiring writer that's listening to this, what's uh, some advice that you could offer them? Um, I always tell people the advice that I heard from Margaret Atwood. I got to see her at the Canadian Embassy in Tokyo, of all places. But um, she said, "Read, read, read." and write, write, write. And that means read everything you can get your hands on, uh, even stuff that, especially stuff that you might think you're not, you, you might think you won't like, um, because it'll expose you to something unexpected and you might wind up liking it. Uh, and it might give you different ideas about different techniques or, or kind of story ideas. Um, and then while you're doing that, just keep on writing. Um, write every day if you can, even if you write I've done the, I've done the math. Even if you write like an hour a day for every weekday, um, not including holidays and weekends. So you still get your holidays and weekends. Like you will wind up with like a three to 400 page novel first draft. Um, so the steady drip, drip, drip of writing is super key. Uh, don't try to do it all at once. Just keep it like, make it a habit. And the more you write, the better you get, um, the better it's like a muscle. So, uh, it'll it'll exercise your skills and it'll make you more open to showing your work to other people and making you more open to feedback. Um, and speaking of which, my last piece of advice is if you can afford it, go to an MFA program. Um, if you can't, which I understand because they're really expensive, uh, get a writer's group together of people who are serious. Um, the only thing that, I, the only reason I recommend an MFA program is because it's a shortcut to find serious people. Um, but if you can find serious people without an MFA program, you're good too. That's great advice. Uh, great advice. And um, so where can uh, the listeners find you? What's your website? Uh, it's just davidyu.com. Okay. Yeah, I love your website. I was checking it out uh, oh, thanks, uh, earlier. Yeah, I really like the design. And your book cover is of uh, version uh, zero is awesome. Did you... Do you like that cover when you first saw that? Oh my god, I scored so big. I got so That's lucky with amazing. that cover. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> yeah, and that was like an in-house design at Penguin. I got so lucky. They did wow. such a great job. 
Yeah. So I'm just like showing it to everyone I can get my hand. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. With the, when, when, when you published this, I reached out to me. That was the first thing I saw was that cover. I was like, whoa, that's some interesting cover. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it really calls you in. So, yeah. all right. So, they, uh, so version zero, it'll be out May 25th. That's um, right. So, yeah. So good luck with your book launch and all that the fun stuff. Thank and, you so uh, much. For listeners, go, go, go pick up version zero. And uh, David, it was a pleasure talking to you and good luck with everything. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Meet the Thriller Author. If you have a moment, please do check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links where you'll be able to rate and review this podcast or simply rate this podcast wherever it is that you're listening to it, uh, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, uh, whichever podcast app you prefer. Uh, please take a moment to rate this uh, podcast. It's the best way to help other fans of uh, mystery and thriller books to find the uh, podcast. And uh, it helps me get the word out. And so it's the best way to support the podcast. So I do appreciate that. And if you're interested, you can join my Thrilling Reads mailing list. You'll find the uh, sign up form at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. Once you subscribe for free, you'll be notified about discounts and deals on great books in the mystery, thriller, and crime fiction genres. You'll also find my social media links and my author website over at thrillingreads.com forward slash links. So check it out and say hi. All right. Take care and stay safe until we meet again on the next episode of Meet the Thriller Author.